The AI Today podcast, produced by Cognolytica, cuts through the hype and noise to identify what is really happening now in the world of artificial intelligence. Learn about emerging AI trends, technologies, and use cases from Cognolytica analysts and guest experts. Hello, and welcome to the AI Today podcast. I'm your host, Kathleen Walsh. And I'm your host, Ronald Schmelzer. So we are here again live at the AI World Government Conference in Washington, D.C., June 24th through 26th, 2019, if you can hear the ambience in the background. And our guest for today is Lindsay Shepard, who is the Associate Fellow with the International Security Program at the Center for Strategic and International Studies, CSIS. We are recording this live, so we are thrilled to have you here at the podcast. Thank you, Lindsay. Wonderful. Thank you so much for having me. Welcome, Lindsay, and thanks for joining us. We'd like to start by having you introduce yourself to our listeners. Tell them a little bit about your background and your current role. Thank you. Yes. So I am an associate fellow at the Center for Strategic and International Studies, and we are a policy research organization here in Washington, D.C. In my role, I focus primarily on emerging technologies and their applications to defense and national security. However, my background is actually in engineering. So I come to CSIS with years of experience in defense research and development and an education in aerospace engineering. So my goal here is to bring the technical detail and richness forward to our policy recommendations and research so that we can have better informed discussions on technology relevant um, topics. All right. So I know that one of the things you've been doing a lot of research on at CSIS is on the position of the U.S. competitively with other countries in the world. So China and the European nations and Russia and elsewhere. So can you give us some insights and maybe some thoughts that you have on how you see the global race for AI dominance and AI leadership. Right. So one thing that we think when we look at the global landscape of artificial intelligence is that each country, and there are various countries that are pursuing AI, apply it and develop it in ways that reflect their national norms and values and institutions. So the way in which the United States seeks to leverage AI will look different than the way China or Russia seek to leverage AI. And those three are by far not the only players. Globally, we see 13 to 14 really strong countries that are all pursuing artificial intelligence and digital capability in a way that supports their national values. However, the narrative is always framed as a race. We're all racing to AI. I'm not really fond of that analogy and that framing because it makes it, it anchors you in this thought that it's a one-for-one application that I can compare what the United States is doing to what China is doing. And that's a a one-for-one comparison. But what we really need to be talking about is what is the United States doing for itself and AI? How are we leveraging this technology to drive forward into the future? And then secondly, how are we looking at what other countries are doing in artificial intelligence and addressing that? But those are really two separate questions. So we see activity from China where they're looking at how do we deploy AI for social governance? How do we export our model abroad? And social governance being a very polite way to say, you know, looking at all the population control and the human rights violations. There are countries like Russia and Israel that are focused very heavily on the robotics, that kind of autonomous weapon capability. And then the United States, which is really taking an approach that says, how do we have a human machine teaming framework? How do we take what our people are doing and provide them the tools and intelligent apprentices so that they can do their jobs better. Yeah, that's great. You know, to think about what each country is doing and how that relates, but not necessarily in a race type of way. So how do you see countries approaching concepts of AI ethics, responsibility, and governance? 
So there's countries that will say one thing, but I think it's important to look back and actually see what our country's doing. So within the lethal autonomous weapons debate, there is a, you know, we can't drive forward with this. We have to have thoughtful consideration. Maybe let's put out a ban in the United Nations. And however, when you look at what is going on, particularly within Russia and China, both countries are racing forward without necessarily asking questions first. China is notorious for, you know, deploy first, ask questions if you ask any questions at all later. Russia is very much pursuing autonomous weapons, but they also are recognizing that at the current moment, they are behind the curve on a lot of that foundational infrastructure. So they are focusing heavily on how do we build up the knowledge? How do we build up the institutions? How do we build up that foundation with the intent that they will one day jump up to kind of the big players? The United States is taking a in terms of, you know, what they're thinking about, a much more careful and measured approach on, you know, where is it appropriate to put artificial intelligence? And it extends far beyond the lethal autonomous weapons debate. It's, you know, how do you bring this into workflows? How do you... We hope you're enjoying this podcast and sorry for the brief interruption. Cognolytica not only produces the AI podcast that you're listening to right now, but we also generate research and advisory to help companies make sense of AI and cognitive technologies. We also run the most authoritative, vendor-neutral AI and machine learning training and certification on the market. If you're looking to make AI a reality for your organization, our three-day Cognolytica training is for you. If you're interested in attending, you can find pricing and registration on our website at Cognolytica.com. We'll also provide a link in the show notes. We've met many of our podcast listeners in our classes, and we hope that we'll see you there as well. Now back to the podcast. How do you introduce this into your systems or your processes? However, I think it is is a bit slow. At times, we are so hamstrung by asking all of these questions and not really knowing what quite what the right way to go forward is, and we end up doing nothing. So there is definitely a balance to be struck by you know having thoughtful, measured discussions in process, but also still driving forward to some level of deployment. So if I can follow up a little bit about that, because I know people think about some of these use cases for AI, especially these use cases, autonomous lethal weapons. But what about some of the more subtle ones, especially the use of AI for disrupting social networks and maybe just an AI, even sort of the ones that are more like just facial recognition, which has mm-hmm. all these broad applications. You're talking about the difference between people think about ethics and governance and transparency. We think about all these other use cases. Are you seeing differences in the way, say, China and Russia in European nations and Israel and the United States are looking at things like facial recognition mm-hmm. and content generation and even process bots and things like mm-hmm. that? I think across the board, countries are having to grapple with facial recognition and where do we think it is appropriate and where do we want it to be used. And I don't see a broad consensus arriving from that discussion. China's use of facial recognition in kind of their propping up the authoritarian regime and their willingness to export that to other countries, they have shown to be very willing to export that technology. Within the United States, we do see a broader discussion between, say, law enforcement and private companies on where is it appropriate to use facial recognition for, as an example, while balancing, you know, privacy and security and the advantages of incorporating that technology. But I think it's interesting to look at, one, the places in which the White House has come out and said, these are our priorities. And then as a kind of use case example, where the Department of Defense is saying they're focusing on. The White House has taken 
taken an approach where they're saying, we want to build up that ecosystem around AI. We want to focus on the workforce. We want to focus on building up that infrastructure, getting the right networking and computer architectures in, getting the data in, learning how to treat data as a strategic asset, and really saying, we're focused on preparing the ecosystem for leveraging artificial intelligence. When you look at where, say, the Department of Defense is focusing through the Joint Artificial Intelligence Center that just stood up in November of 2018, they're not focusing on the areas that we typically see as being hyped in the autonomous weapons debate. They're focusing on the places where they can actually support our human analyst and our personnel to do better. So we're looking at big personnel management systems, looking at humanitarian assistance and disaster relief, looking at cyber defense, because we all have to do cyber defense and defend our networks within, say, the public sector and the DOD. So there are a lot of different areas where we can think about how do we leverage AI that is not just the hot button topics like lethal autonomous weapons or you know authoritarian uses of facial recognition. What do you see the role of corporations versus government in pushing forward AI leadership ethics and responsibility? I know that not all, you know, corporations work on autonomous warfare systems, but where how do you see corporations versus governments either working together or what role should each individually play? So I think there is an interesting new landscape that is coming forward in particularly in artificial intelligence using the DoD again as a case study. So Previously, during you know our Cold War era technology development, government was the leader in innovation and technology development. And so they would drive the development, drive the requirements, and that technology and innovation would then get spun out into the private sector. Now, when we're looking at artificial intelligence, because so much of that return on investment is lives in the commercial world, and a lot of the developments actually happened outside of government, we're seeing kind of an inverse of that model. Instead of the Department of Defense pushing out innovation, they're now faced with how do I pull in innovation? So commercial and the private sector are really leading the way in kind of cutting edge uses and applications of artificial intelligence. However, the opportunity to kind of leverage this new model exists that commercial is going to invest and deploy where there is a, an incentive, where there is that return on investment. So for the Department of Defense, for the public sector, we actually have to have a coordinated, careful thought process and conversation about where can commercial get me most of the way? And then where are those areas with either low return on investment or long lead times that the government is actually going to have to focus on? And those are the areas where public sectors should focus their dollars for research development and implementation. It requires a bit more of a careful, considered approach, but identifying that area where, where is commercial not going to be incentivized, but that will be critical for public sector adoption, and that's where we need to focus the dollars. On ethics, I think the government absolutely has a position where they can lead forward because they are not driven by that commercial deployment cycle to get something out to market. And there is most definitely a need for them to lead the way on that discussion. Yeah, it's interesting because, you know, we think about sort of like the big strategic role of countries, but then you think about the footprint of Google and Facebook and Amazon and Microsoft and IBM and all these other big corporations. They have some bigger footprints than you know, a lot of nations. So it's kind of interesting that place. So, you know, kind of following on to that, you know, what do you see as the state of AI in the public sector? Because you're here at the public sector event mm-hmm. and specifically on things like national security and defense. I think we've seen an evolution in the past couple of years. I think, you know, the fact that we're here at the second AI world government is telling that there haven't been more. 
generally there seems to have been a lag in the recognition from the public sector that this is a thing we need to do. We need to bring artificial intelligence or even just you know, business intelligence and data analytic based decisions into our workflow and our processes. And so that's kind of been a slow process. I think we are at a point generally across the public sector where we're learning the language, we're learning what is artificial intelligence. We've moved past the hype of killer robots. People are at least accepting, you know, this is absolutely a thing we need, but we're all kind of asking the same questions of, so what do we do now? Where do we get started? And I think if you look at, you know, the framing and the talks that are put up here at AI World Government and my talk later today are really going to be focused on, regardless of what agency you're in, regardless of what you know federal vertical agency you, you are in, we all have these kind of common themes. A lot of them are resource management. So looking at where the DoD is looking at the supply chain and logistics, personal management, cyber defense, all these things that everybody has to do. And so now we've accepted this is a thing I have to do. Now we have to figure out how do we go do it? And there have been some early success stories. So we've seen, you know, kind of that grassroots approach to figuring out how do I bring data analytics into my organization? A lot of times it's folks who learn how to work within the bureaucracy, have a small team, demonstrate success over, you know, a short timeline and leverage the fact that they may have aspects of this AI ecosystem already there. They may already have the data. They may have the talent where they need it. They may have the computing infrastructure. And so now we're looking at within the public sector more broadly is how do we take the lessons learned from these small success stories the fact that there is a growing recognition that we need to do something and start driving towards the future. We agree. And we think it's so important. And that's why on this podcast, we like to have a lot of different guests and use cases because people can really learn how others are doing it, the success stories, some of the struggles, the challenges that they faced to not do it themselves. Mm -hmm. You know, if everybody is facing the same challenges, let's talk and figure it out instead of everybody trying to do it on their own. So it's great that you bring that up. I think one interesting anecdote from, I'm sure that you guys have seen and that I have encountered throughout my time speaking throughout folks within, you know, the intelligence community, within the Department of Defense or any of the other, you know, public sector agencies is the challenges that they face are typically not the technology. And so often we come to these conversations and want to debate the like nitty gritty of the actual algorithms themselves. But the biggest challenges are culture are, you know, the lack of that skilled workforce. So having to not only hire the workforce you want, but also upskill the workforce you currently have. Not having the right computing network or infrastructure, not having the right data or access to the data or the ability to use it and manipulate it at all. So often I think the conversation around how do we bring AI into the public sector really needs to focus on so much more than just the technology because that's where all of the kind of common challenges lie. Yeah, those are great points to bring up. I think that sometimes the public sector can be faced with challenges that private sector isn't necessarily faced with. But overall, most of the challenges are the same. So thanks for bringing this up. This was a great podcast and a great conversation. We'd like to end by getting your thoughts on where you believe the future of AI is in general and its application to corporations, governments, and beyond. I think at least the machine learning-based approaches, they're here to stay particularly in the corporate world, we've seen the promise of either maximizing profits or minimizing losses are here. Oftentimes that's a question of, you know, are we going to run into the next AI winter? And I think this was truly a transformative point that we have not seen in a while. So I think corporate is going to keep running away with the technology and really keep driving that forward. 
I think it's important for the public sector, for the government, for all, you know, kind of like like-minded Western nations to kind of play catch up. We have to have some conversations on, you know, balancing privacy and security and data rights. How do we as, you know, Western liberal nations, as the United States, how do we move forward with this technology without losing ourselves is a very complex and challenging discussion that we are having here in the United States. I will say that that being a challenging and complex question, we can't sit back and wait for it to be fully answered before we start leveraging artificial intelligence and leveraging what we can, because we will quickly fall behind. That is not to say deploy blindly, but we need to deploy smartly. If artificial intelligence is not the solution to your problem, that's great. But maybe you can use data analytics or business intelligence in ways that support your organization's operations. Absolutely do that. Because if we don't start thinking about how do we compete and how do we exist in a data-driven world, we will very quickly fall behind. It's just interesting how the conversation of AI, especially for this podcast, has been very much about thinking about it from this lens of like competition globally, right? You know, not just corporate competition, but at this country level. And even though we're saying it's not really a race, it's because I think so many people see now that I understand the value of technology as sort of a strategic advantage, right? Mm -hmm. And maybe, you know, 20 plus years ago when we were looking at the internet, I think most countries are like, oh, technology, but of course, Silicon Valley pushed that. And of course, America leveraged almost, I don't say accidentally, but basically like, oh, well, hey, the internet was invented here. So it became sort of the center of technology. I think most countries are like, we're not going to let sort of like that early lead of technology kind of run away again. And it's kind of interesting now how every country, even small ones, like we were looking at some, I won't mention that, but so much smaller countries are looking at AI from this very strategic perspective. It's really intriguing. Right. So the globalization of software, the commoditization of priority technologies have really made this capability broadly accessible. It's driven down the barriers to entry, the cost of entry. And so there's a variety of countries that are now able to be strong players in this arena that maybe wouldn't have been before. But like I said at the beginning, it's important to think about what are we doing within the United States with our official intelligence for ourselves. Outside of any competition framework, what are we doing to deliver the best results for our people? And we can't do data analytics on paper records. Right. That's great. Well, you've been awesome, amazing guest here, recording live in front of the random folks who are walking by here. So this is great. You've been a great guest. So thank you so much. We really appreciate you being on the podcast. Well, thank you so much. Yeah, Lindsay, thanks for joining us today. And listeners, as always, we'll post any articles and concepts discussed in the show notes. Thanks for listening, and we'll catch you at the next podcast. And that's a wrap for today. To download this episode, find additional episodes and transcripts, subscribe to our newsletter, and more, please visit our website at Cognolitica.com. Join the discussion in between podcasts on the AI Today Facebook group, and make sure to join the Cognolitica Facebook page for updates on this and future podcasts. Also subscribe to our podcast in iTunes, Google Play, and elsewhere to get notified of future episodes. Want to support this podcast and get your message out to our listeners? Then become a sponsor. We offer significant benefits for AI Today sponsors, including promotion in the podcast and landing page, and opportunities to be a guest on the AI Today show. For more information on sponsorship, visit the Cognolytica website and click on the podcast link. This sound recording and its contents is copyright by Cognolytica. All rights reserved. Music by Matsu Gravas. As always, thanks for listening to AI Today, and we'll catch you at the next podcast.